Welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and sometimes science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is Black Adam Nerd Out. I'm your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda. Hey. The wild yet elusive Jekka. Hello. The rambunctious Bob. And Burn Brady Burn. Howdy, folks. Hey, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Obviously, we're going to be talking some Black Adam a little later. But we're also going to be talking a whole lot more to include a Dune TV spinoff series is in the work. Mm. In the works. Edward Norton, believe it or not, almost returned as Hulk in the She-Hulk TV series. And supposedly, a sequel to DC's The Flash is already in the works. So make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you each and every week. And if you've already hit that podcast subscribe button, you know what I'm going to say to you. Plus 10 Nerd XP. Nerd XP. We love you guys. And for everyone else, as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button, you too can start earning Nerd XP. Nerd XP. But in the meantime, Jekka, what's nerdy with you? Um. So last week I went over to a friend's house and just hung out with her and her daughter because that's what I do. And for the first time in many months, we played this. I played the Switch because they had a Switch, and they're mm. like, "Hey, let's play some games." So we played some games, and we decided to play Mario Kart. And I don't right. know what happened, but I was doing really well, and I got third place on Rainbow Road, which is like the the one, one track that I. Ones. It's the super hard ones, and yeah. I always fail on it. But I got third place. Nice. I was like, oh my gosh, could I repeat that? Probably not. But it was just like, oh my gosh, I needed that win. It was a it was a rough week. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, it's a hard one. It's a fun game for sure. Bob, what's nerdy with you, man? I'll just uh, been playing some Pathfinder Kingmaker. About a three year old game, but it's uh it's uh it's actually really good. It's uh D and it's almost like D D third edition or three point five. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's, a, it's a pretty good CRPG. That's awesome. That's awesome. Brady, what's nerdy with you, man? Oh, not much. Just been super busy. We had, uh, my son had a venture crew outing, and it turned into a non, non-scout-related non event, and we ended up playing paintball uh, and throwing axes last night for a while, and my my old quadriceps feel it. walking around Uh, in a crowd walking you know i'm not i'm not a short guy i'm six three right (laughs) so and kind of crouching down behind those things and walking for for a long period of time it uh yeah it it it, it was fine then but when i woke up this morning i absolutely felt it (laughs) oh that's the duck walk for you (laughs) oh nice so Amanda and I got a chance to go to a, a Halloween party yesterday. I'm just going to point out that I love the costume that I have. It was given to me by my sister-in-law like three or four years ago. It's just my go-to costume and Austin hates it. And it's so <laughs> what is much it? fun. What is it? It's, it's a, an adult onesie of the Abominable Snowman. But ah, it's so fun. I need that. I need Picture that. it didn't happen. But guess what I wore? I wore an adult onesie of a gorilla. And so we have 
<laughs> a picture of both of us in adult onesies. Never thought that would happen. Pretty silly stuff. That, Pretty that'll silly be in the stuff. show notes, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. So. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk some nerd news. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And what is the news that should be on your radar? Well, check this out, folks. A Dune TV spinoff series is in the development stages and will connect with the Dennis Villeneuve movies. So the TV series will be called Dune the Sisterhood and will be produced by Dennis Villeneuve, who is obviously the director of both the Dune, the previous Dune film and its upcoming sequel. The series will be coming to HBO Max, and the cast so far includes Sarah Sophie Bosina. Do me a favor, just read these names for me. Shalom <laughs> Boone Franklin. Falonian oh, I... um, Cunningham. Cunningham. <laughs> Ophi. Aof Hines. Okay. Chloe Leah. Leah. From Foundation. Emily Watson. From Chernobyl. Shirley Henderson. From Harry Potter. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> this series is designed to coexist with the Dune films, and the story is told through the eyes of a mysterious order of women known as the Benay Gesserit. Gesserit. Benny Gesserit. Yes, that's right. <laughs> they even say that in the film. Benny Gesserit. Anyways, this story is set 10,000 years before Paul Atreides even existed. And it follows the Harokin sisters Harkonin. as they combat for Harokin. Harkonin. They even yes. say that in the movie. Okay, all right. <laughs> Harkonin sisters. <laughs> As they combat forces that threaten the future of humankind and establish the fabled sect known as the Bene Gesserit. Yes! Watson and Henderson will portray Valya Harkonnen and Tula Harkonnen and the formidable, uh, the formidable Harkonnen sisters who have risen to power in the sisterhood and are given extraordinary abilities by their mastery of the body and the mind. So there's no release date for the TV series yet, but the Dune sequel comes out November 2023. So I I would have to suspect the TV series would come out not long after. So I'm just absolutely ecstatic for more Dune material. Um, the world building that was done in the books is expansive and realistic. And so I love that they're deep diving into the Bene Gesserit because their, their sisterhood is like all about the witchcraft and controlling the politics behind the scenes. Yeah. And so that's a lot of fun. You know, it's really interesting to see Hollywood developing this new uh, pattern and they've been doing it for a little while. Let's release a movie. If the movie's successful, we release TV series. I mean, that's like the new norm. Well, it's because 80% of their movies fail. So if there's a successful movie, the chance of future success with that um, IP is Well, higher. yeah, yeah. No, no, so, I, I, I understand that. But I just find it interesting that that's kind of the new pattern now. Uh, I mean, we got that with the, the Batman, with all the TV series, the Penguin TV series. <laughs> 
you know, we got that with all the Marvel films. We got that, you know, just over and over again. It's it's, it's the new way if of doing business. If a formula business. works, people will copy it. Peacemaker. Yeah, Peacemaker, yeah, exactly. The other one. Yeah, but it's, I got to admit, it's a little intimidating with all the content to be consumed. Uh, but maybe that's a good problem overall. So anyways, moving on, Ryan Johnson says he hopes to make his previously announced Star Wars trilogy still. That's right. Ryan Johnson's next film is a sequel to his 2019 murder mystery family dramedy, Knives Out. The second installment, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, is hitting limited theaters next month and Netflix the week of Christmas. But in a recent interview to promote Glass Onion, Ryan Johnson found himself talking his future in the Star Wars universe. And on the Variety Awards Circuit podcast, he had the following to say when asked if he ever actually makes plans for his uh, proposed Star Wars trilogy. Will it ever come out? Quote, I have talked to Kathleen Kennedy about it, and we're still talking about it. I had such an amazing experience making The Last Jedi. It's entirely a matter of scheduling. For me, putting this, Glass Onion, out and making the next one of these? The answer is, I don't know. When asked more directly, will we definitively see the Ryan Johnson Star Wars trilogy in the future? He answered, quote, I hope so. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think of this, Bob? Isn't he the one who made eight? Yes. Yeah. The Last Jedi. And then blame the fans that they don't like women because he has poor writing. So we want more? <laughs> I mean, Star Wars already has, I mean, and I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. Star Wars already <laughs> has subpar writing. Do we really need more subpar writing? <laughs> so here's my, here's my argument. <laughs> Ryan Johnson can have amazing things. I, I enjoyed Knives Out. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Knives Out is really good. And really, he was kind of thrown under the bus because he made eight and they wanted a new writer for each movie instead of having any continuity. So I do give him that, that it really wasn't his, even though he tried to make it his. I'm more mad that he blamed the fans instead of taking responsibility for the poor writing. I will just say never trust a Ryan that spells his name R I A N. <laughs> Is it his fault though? I, you know, at some point you have to take responsibility. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Well, what about a fox that spells their last name F A U X? It's kind of a fun fo- name. I don't know. <laughs> Like, just feel snobby about it and pronounce it faux. No, it's literally the how you spell faux in French. Fake. So, I, um, you know, I, I'm still coming to terms with what Star Wars is currently. Um, I, I'm willing to admit that one possible outcome of this entire situation is that the last jedi feels so off course because there was no overarching plan for the sequel trilogy 
So perhaps I'm willing to admit as a possibility that Ryan Johnson is not the reason why The Last Jedi was so divisive. I think there was additional factors at play. So, I mean, and I, I mean, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but you're operating under the assumption that either of the other two trilogies had some kind of overarching plan to begin with. No, they did. They did. They did. You, you mean that Phantom Menace was on purpose? Yes. yes. Look, the, 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 pre, the, the prequel trilogy was all about episode three for the most part. Oh, but, yeah, obviously, but I'm, I'm well, still trying to wrap my head around uh, Metachlorians, and it's been like 20 years. Okay, the eh. Duel of the Fates was literally a lead-up to episode three where Obi-Wan shouts at him, Anakin, you were my brother, where the Duel of the Fates was whether so, he would be raised by a brother figure or a father figure. So I, I, I will, yeah, I'll say this. Um, yes, there, there was a plan, an overarching plan for what episodes one, two, and three were going to look like. People might, might not agree with it, but there was a plan in place, just like there was a plan in place for four, five, and six. But for one, or for for seven, eight, and nine, it was a movie by movie. What do you want to do? Because George Lucas had an overarching plan that he sold to Disney when he, when he sold Star Wars, and they threw it out the window, and they went with whatever they wanted to do, which and was so, a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, this this is an entire main event by itself that maybe one day we'll get to. <laughs> So, so when Ryan Johnson is given yeah, a trilogy, yeah, maybe we'll, then we'll oh yeah, this. oh yeah. But so moving on, check this out. I found this to be so interesting. Edward Norton almost returned as Hulk in the She-Hulk TV series. So, spoiler alert for anyone who has not seen the end of She-Hulk. If you if you don't want spoilers, move the podcast ahead a few minutes, okay? Here we go. Marvel's She-Hulk, the first season, just ended, and it had Jennifer Walters not only breaking the fourth wall, but marching into the Marvel Studios on the Disney lot and demanding her time with the big guy. So the scene, that scene had all sorts of interesting fourth wall plot twists, and it turned out Edward Norton's Hulk was almost one of them. So in a recent interview with the direct She-Hulk director, Kat Koiro, Koiro, Koiro revealed Marvel considered bringing back the Incredible Hulk's Edward Norton to play Bruce Banner Hulk once again in the finale because Hulk's long-awaited reunion slash fight with Abomination originally was with Edward Norton's Hulk. So Kat confirmed that she and Marvel Studios did entertain the idea of swapping out Mark Ruffalo for Edward Norton in the final episode. Quote, there was a lot of talk about the fact that the last time Hulk and Abomination fought or were even together at all, a different actor was playing Hulk. And Mark Ruffalo made quite a few jokes about that, and we did entertain the idea of swapping Mark out for Edward Norton, but that did not come to pass. End quote. You know, stick with me on this. I am uh, I'm I, I'm born right in the middle of uh, Gen X, right? I'm a Gen Xer, and I grew up uh, in the Cold War, 
right? The Cold War was very big. And there's a story in 1985 about when there was a malfunction in Russia and they thought that America had launched nuclear weapons. And the guy, it's just one control room guy who decided not to make the call and uh, for a retaliatory strike. Turned out to be a software glitch and we avoided a complete disaster. This reminds me of that. So we didn't need to know about this behind the scenes story, but uh, but I'm just glad that uh, that that Norton didn't come back. Really, I thought it, I thought it'd be a great. I thought it'd been hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Well, it would have been funny. Norton's great, but yeah, it, it, as a cameo, it would have been fine. But yeah, let's uh, let's not make a habit of that. Well, it would have been a cameo because she could remember how she edited it, which was annoying in its yeah. own right. So it. I think it would have entertained me more and made more sense with the editing. I will say I haven't seen the finale episode yet. We're waiting on that. We were going to watch that this week. So. Okay. So I'll say this. I I, I think after you see it, you'll understand. Yeah. yeah, I've seen all the other episodes, but not this one. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it's kind of a one flavor show. So you kind of get that, right? That, that, that kind of humor they use. So. But yeah, I well, I can just say in principle, not having Norton as the Hulk is is probably a good idea. I'll I'll just say this: there was a point where I really felt they took the fourth wall breaking about a mile too far. In what in the fourth season, or I mean, in, in that last in episode? the last episode, it, it it was it was the it was the largest fourth wall breaking we've ever had. So much to the point that there's a there's a point. In which all the kids started blaming me in the middle of the episode. They're like, Dad, what'd you do? What'd you do? And if, if you've seen the last episode, you'll know. And, and like, I'm looking around. I'm looking at the controller. I'm like, I didn't even touch it. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I was getting in trouble. Yeah. It, it, it broke the phone. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. There is one redeeming point of that, but you'll you'll know it when you see it. I will watch. Yeah, we, we were going to watch it today, but I didn't have the time. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, very cool, fun stuff ahead. So we look forward to hearing what you have to think about it. All right, moving along. Check this out. A sequel to DC's The Flash is already being worked on. So The Flash hasn't even come out yet. It's yet to be released by Warner Brothers. But according to a new report from The Hollywood Reporter, plans for a sequel are already underway. If the first film actually blows up at the box office like everyone expects, there's already a script for The Flash 2 written and ready to go. So the script was written by David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick, who previously co-wrote Aquaman, Aquaman 2, Orphan, Red Riding Hood, and The Wraths of the Titans. So the big question is if they did move forward with a Flash sequel... Would they actually bring back Ezra Miller to reprise his role in the film with all of the baggage that that would bring? Well, per deadline, the source shared that the studio, quote, won't likely keep Miller in the Flash role in future (laughs) DC films, end quote. Well, with the whole DC multiverse thing going on, it wouldn't be too difficult to replace Miller with another actor. And I almost suspect that will be the outcome of the first Flash movie. Nonetheless, we won't know until The Flash is released June 23rd, 2023. Um, so 
in a way, they already have a flash lined up. Um, Grant Gustin. Oh yeah, maybe. You know, like he's been playing Flash for several seasons. I don't know how many seasons is and, it. And well. And oh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I got. I admit, I did get bored with like CW's The Flash, but I was thoroughly enjoying like the first two, three seasons that I did watch. Yeah. And Grant Gustin, like he's good. I'm like. We can say farewell to Ezra Miller and bring in Grant Gustin, and it'll be great. Problem so, solved. Weren't, weren't they going to release The Flash earlier? I felt like The Flash was coming sooner. Yeah, uh, it was It was yeah. supposed to come out this year, wasn't it? And then they pushed it back. Yeah, it was supposed yeah to I think they had to wait on bail or something. Um, I, I, I think what <laughs> they were doing is they were waiting on edits, so that way they could put a new Flash in at the end. That could That's be what it. I think they were doing. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, no, I, I, you know, and it's funny because I think last time we talked about the whole like replacing actors, you know, because it was with the subject of the mummy, you know, because that was in the third mummy movie, like they had Brendan Fraser, they had the actor that plays, but they placed Evie. And although I wouldn't have had a problem with that, the problem was the writing. They wrote her terribly for the third movie where I was just like hated it because it was, you know, I was sad that it wasn't Rachel Weisz, but I was like, I could get by with a different actor as long as the character was still right and the character wasn't. So, yeah. hence, I put my vote with Grant Gustin because he could play that, Barry Allen. <laughs> that may be why Rachel Weisz didn't come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she probably read the script and was like, um, no, this is not Evie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Funny stuff. All right, moving on. The showrunners for The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, says season two will be everything fans hoped for or hoped for in the first season. So spoiler alert for season one. If you've not if you've not seen season one and you want to see season one without spoilers, skip ahead about five minutes, okay? All right, here we go. The first season of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power is in the books and the climax of the finale revealed the surprise that Sauron had been hiding in plain sight all along this season as Halbrand, the Aragon-like drifter who pretended or at least allowed Galadriel to believe that he was a long-lost king of the Southlands. Well, showrunner J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay sat down with the Hollywood Reporter to talk about the process of introducing the Dark Lord as a charming low man and also teased what will come next in season two. So, quote, McCabe began saying, what's in the Lord of the Rings books is an all-encompassing evil that everyone is afraid of and is so powerful, it doesn't even have to be manifested physically. He's an image of an eye in Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings films. He's the eye on the tower. We felt Sauron should be a character in his own right. We wanted to study the current runnings within him in a way that hopefully would reward audiences as they follow him moving forward as he becomes the Dark Lord. You now know him as a person outside the name Sauron. In some ways, we wanted to do an origin story for Sauron. We didn't want to make a show that was about the hunt for Sauron. But we love the idea of Sauron as a deceiver 
who could hopefully deceive some of the audience. Payne then jumps in saying, quote, there's something that Milton does in Paradise Lost when we talk uh, that we talked about a lot, where he makes Satan a really compelling character. In some ways, he's the first anti-hero, where he's compelling and you can't take your eyes off him. Milton did that on purpose because he wants you to fall along with Adam and Eve. He wants Satan to be so pervasive, persuasive. And he also seduces the reader and you're unconsciously won over so that you perceive your own fallenness and your need for redemption. In Tolkien, Sauron is a deceiver. And we know that in the second age, he appears in fair form. So what, so what if he sneaks up on you and is able to get you to sympathize with him and you get on board with him so that once you actually realize who he is, that he's already got his hooks in you. So it's not just as easy as, well, this person is evil, I'm going to back away, because you've already formed some level of attachment to him. What if we could get the audience to go through a similar journey? End quote. When asked about what season two looks like, Payne said, quote, season one opens up with who is Galadriel? Where did she come from? What did she suffer? Why is she driven? We're doing the same thing with Sauron in season two. We'll fill in all the missing pieces. McKay then adds, quote, Sauron can now just be Sauron, like Tony Soprano or Walter White. He's evil, but complexly evil. We felt like if we did that in season one, he'd overshadow everything else. So the first season is like Batman Begins, and the Dark Knight is the next season, with Sauron maneuvering out in the open. We're really excited. Season two has a canonical story. There, there may well be viewers who are like, this is the story we were hoping to get in season one. Well, in season two, we're giving it to them, end quote. Season two of The Rings of Power has begun filming and is currently set to drop in 2024. So... With season one, I do like Gladriel's journey and how they got the elven rings. And I like Sauron tempting her and being like, rule with me. So I really, really wonder once he has the one ring and can control her as she's wearing the elven ring. <laughs> Bob is not liking this. I'm saying no. The, the three elven rings were disconnected because they were made in secret. The rings of men and the rings uh, corrupted and dwarves, uh, the corruption of the dwarves uh, simply just enhanced the innate greed they had. But the rings of the elves were disconnected, which is why you still saw them being used in, um, in Lord of the Rings. That's why you still saw Gandalf with one uh, Galadriel with one and Elrond with one. Okay. The only reason I say this is because all I know about the ring's power is the rhyme um, with with ending with one ring to rule them all. Yes. So in my mind, I'm like, well, then that one ring also rules the rings of the elves, at least for a time. Um, maybe, maybe I not. I, I know nothing. I thought, I thought it did in some way. 
I think if I remember right, because I had to like read up on this when the Rings of Power came out, just because I was so it had been so many years since I read anything Tolkien. And so the the they had the elven rings, but then when the elves realized what Sauron was doing and creating other rings and created the one ring, they were like able to yeah, just like Bob said, they were able to disconnect the rings. Or at least they were able to use the rings in a way that would make it that Sauron could not use them. Like they were more resilient to that one ring's influence. Even now I'm spacing out on it. I write up on it, I promise. <laughs> My brain just was like, hey, that's cool information. We can't have space for that right now. And <laughs> <laughs> up with the nerdiness, I need to learn real things. I know. It's like you have yeah. too many things cramming into your brain. We got to talk so, about some of that meta population equations you got to be tested on. <laughs> Google, because of the way. Um, Celebrimbor made them and actually tied them to Sauron. They are ruled over by the One Ring, but when they have them in the Elven Rings during um, the Lord of the Rings, Sauron does not have control of them because he doesn't have the One Ring. I don't know. That's, That's according to the Googles. Well, the the end part is support is according to me, but it says yes, they were ruled over by the One. This is because the recipe and creation of the Three was tied to. Anatar, which in the books, which Sauron, when Celebrimbor forged them. Here, I'll quickly peruse the Silmarillion because I have it right here. So <laughs> see what I can find. Uh... One does not simply peruse the Silmarillion. <laughs> I know, but here we go. I take that challenge. I love how we're 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 deep diving this. <laughs> Yeah, the Wikipedia says that they were still bound to the One Ring because, yeah, Celebrimbor. Not in the Celebrimbor. same, not in the same way that the Rings of Men and the Rings of Dwarves yeah, are. Not in the same way, but it still can still hold sway over them. Oh, of course, it still so, props. Uh, upon okay, so when when uh. Sauron did get the one ring, puts it on. Those who wore the three rings, like apparently instantly knew that it was Sauron because this the person that Sa Sauron was uh pretending to be someone else again, like he did with Halbron. He has that ability to like shape, shape shift, whatever. But so it says here, upon perceiving Sauron's intent, the elves hid the three rings from him, and they were taken from Middle Earth to the blessed realm of Valinor at the end of the third age after the destruction of the one ring. So yeah, I just found that part. <laughs> yeah. So, so they, cause Sauron helped the elves make all the rings. Yeah. And then it wasn't until that he put the one ring on that. They realized, Oh no, he tricked us. And they felt his presence. Cause the idea behind the one ring is that it will allow him to see what was being done by the other rings and then influence them. And he can like influence their thoughts to do his bidding through the one ring. So the elves, they, they, they sense that when he put on the one ring and they took off their rings and kept them hidden, went out to war against him. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty interesting and then they stuff. concealed them. They concealed them and never openly used them while Sauron kept the ruling ring. 
Very cool stuff. Anyways, uh, everything that the showrunners said in, about season two coming up sounds just right on the money spectacular. Like, I am so in it, and I well, can't wait to see it. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, like, because I love The Dark Knight, so I'm like, ooh, I'm probably going to like season two a lot. <laughs> I like yes. me a good villain. I like me good villains. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great, so... Anyways, I think it's time to start talking some Black Adam, so let's get into it. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park? And that bell means it is time for our main event, Black Adam. Black Adam, what have your powers ever given to you? Nothing but heartache. I was a slave until I died. Then I was reborn a god. My son sacrificed his life to save me. Now, I kneel before no one. In this world, they're heroes. City wherever I go. And they're villains. Heroes don't kill people. Well, I do. My vision has shown me the future. You have two choices. You can be the destroyer of this world. Or you can be its savior. That's up to you. Behind you! Did he just catch a rocket? He got a rocket. special shout out to all you super nerds who have hit that podcast subscribe button we really really appreciate you please help us get the word out tell a friend about the podcast and i want to invite you to hit that podcast subscribe button if you've not done so already come on do it you'll get plus 10 nerd xp nerd xp black adam the return of the dceu in many ways what'd you guys think all right, I'll, before we get started, I, I want to, I've been uh, doing on this for a while. There was a lot, and I mean a lot, of bad press surrounding this movie, um, specifically critics. Critics yeah. panned this movie. 
but it, it showed the same trend that we're seeing where the, it makes you question whether or not critics are even relevant anymore. <laughs> the audience loved it. Yeah. It's a good movie. I mean, it's a fun rock. It's a superhero movie. I mean, well, it's super anti-hero, whatever. But how how much are we really supposed to read into this? I mean, do you really need it to be anything more than an action flick? To drive that home, to drive your point home, right now Rotten Tomatoes has the uh, critic score at 39% and the audience score at 90 Yes, I know. Come on, man. Can you believe that? I Wait. even read an article, and I actually read through the article, where some guy was sitting there uh, basically dumping on uh, Dwayne Johnson's acting in everything, and the, but especially uh, talking about Black Adam. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, um, it, granted it wasn't Citizen Kane, but I mean, do, do, we really, do we really want that? So, I have my issues with the movie, but The Rock did an amazing job. I really loved him as Black Adam. So that guy just has his own issues and it's not The Rock's problem. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, and I agree with you. I agree with you. My point my point being is that um, the, the fact of the matter is lots and lots of people are saying that this is, this is a good movie. So my question is whether or not critics are actually relevant at this point in I think the bigger question is, have they ever been relevant? I mean, no. maybe Siskel and Ebert, Ebert you know? No, I I hear, I hear you, Brady, because I always felt like, I don't know. I mean, it, and I feel, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, I think the credits are being bought out by Marvel. Yes, I just said that. Because they're always like, oh, Marvel movies are so great. And then we get this other superhero movie come along that the audience is like, this is amazing. And then they're dissing it. I'm like, what's going on so, here? I, anyways, I, I've always felt sorry. I just want to say, like, I felt like critics don't appreciate the fantasy, sci-fi, superhero aspect of movies unless it's got like a huge, ginormous budget behind it, like Lord of the Rings or something. I don't so, know. I, I think I understand what the critics caught on to because it's something that really rubbed me the wrong way, and it was hard for me to like the movie. And I honestly agree more with the critic score than the audience score. Well, what? Tell us what that is. Though. Okay, so what that is is... Spoiler time. Okay, yeah, spoiler time. So I will compare it to Civil War, not because I think it's necessarily a good comparison, but it's similar where you have heroes fighting heroes. And... Black Adam's supposed to be an anti-hero. So he is supposed to come off as the villain at the beginning to become a hero. He came off as a hero throughout the whole thing and the entire hero team coming to stop him, they felt villainous. A little bit, yeah, I can, I can catch that. And for me, they were the villains. And it wasn't an anti-hero movie at all. Well, it... I I was waiting throughout the entire movie for them to really lay a solid claim as to why the Justice League needs to be there to begin with. I'm sorry, sorry, Justice, Justice Society. Be, because the only thing they kept saying over and over again to some extent was, one, uh, they read all these things about him 
about how he's a destroyer. Okay. But they didn't really emphasize that too much. They had to show they had to show that the rock or Black Adam was going to was going to be that person almost before they even sent Justice Society in there. Like they should have said, go in there to investigate to see if this guy is going to be good, as opposed to go in there and go in gun bl- guns blazing. The other thing, there's they, no backstory behind that. Yeah, there they, was they, any, yeah. Uh, justification for we know that this is a thing. Yeah, the it, and what they could have done, they could have said that, and then they could have watched Black Adam, see that Black Adam's like killing people left and right. Justice Society comes up to him and says, "Look, heroes don't kill people." Well, I do, and that lays a little more credibility to why the Justice Society has to be there. So I think that is kind of the direction they were going, but they but it wasn't executed as well as it could have been. That said, I still really enjoyed the film. Uh, for what it was, if and if anything, you know, all the time, to- all the comics, all the stories I've ever seen, Black Adam is much more of a villain than he is a hero, and I, by by a lot, and I almost wonder, I almost wonder if because The Rock is playing Black Adam, Hollywood is saying, okay, we can't really have The Rock being a villain. He has to be a hero because black Adam in the comics, he's like 80% major villain, 20% hero. He's a hundred percent hero within his, his country. Cause he's always doing things from his country's perspective. But, uh, but most of the time, I mean, he's a, he's a major villain. Um, and I, and I want to see that more, especially if they're going to bring in <coughs> spoiler alert, Superman, which was a yeah. cool end scene. I thought that, yeah, that post credit scene was phenomenal. And you guys know how I feel about, you know, <laughs> you know the perspective I'm coming from. But the, uh, yeah, that that post credit scheme scene was phenomenal. And I wonder, I mean, it almost felt like they were setting him up for like the next Justice League, you know, villain. Oh yeah, kind of thing. Well, so the, there's what? a couple of problems that I had with mm-hmm. this. Uh, or with the movie in general. One, the Justice Society. They they set them up in such a way that they've obviously been around for a while. Yep. How did Batman not know about Hawkman and Doctor Fate? Well, maybe 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 this is set up after Justice. No, League. no. I mean, Doctor Fate literally said he's been alive for a hundred years. Okay. So, true. <laughs> how, and Hawkman. Obviously, has been hanging out with him long enough because I mean, the guy's got got a, got a freaking jet at his mansion. Well, so Hawkman's just... off planet Earth though, so maybe Doctor Strange, because because they they come from a Dr. different Fate. world. <laughs> Doctor yeah, Fate. What did I say? Strange. <laughs> Doctor Strange. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Maybe he does now. But what I'm saying is maybe uh, Hawkman. Uh, you know, maybe Hawkman and uh, three years ago. I'm sorry, say that again? Did he, like, invest in Tesla three years ago? No, no, no. Or he threw down some money but, on Bitcoin? But, but Hawkman, Hawkman doesn't come from Earth. Hawkman comes from outside of Earth, too. But um, we haven't established that in the DC universe. 
extended or the DC Cinematic Universe. The he point really is needed that, to ha- establish the Justice Society well, before they just brought really. them in like who this. Ca- come on, who cares? Yeah. Well, it I'm made more... for a very uneven movie, as a it's critic pointed so out, and I agree with it. It's a it's a soft reboot of the DC EU is, is what I'm hearing a little bit. No, maybe, no, no, maybe. not at all. I mean, the, the fact that no, they no, no. Henry Cavell as Superman at the end of it. No, is yeah, no, no, I get that. But 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 the Rock is going around saying that this is a new Phase One of the DCEU. The Rock can go around and say whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Rock, man. I ain't gonna stop him. But the point the point <laughs> is that the continuity wasn't there. I mean, the fa- most of the fans are expecting. Okay, so there's a Justice League movie. Now we have a Justice Society movie. Why didn't Batman know about this dude with the spinning mace thing that turns into an axe? Also, as I tried to compare Civil Wars, they didn't make the the real heroes like heroes at all. Yeah, they made them more like cops. Yeah, but Bob... They made them villains. Going back to your comment about, about Batman not knowing about Hawkman, I mean, let's be honest, though. That is not a Black Adam issue that is a dceu issue yeah and well no that's a black adam movie they, issue they because made they it a black it. adam no, issue no. they made it an issue for black adam yeah and that's I mean, why there's a negative credit critic score no i i doubt i that. really think that's I, why i, I doubt a critic so, actually knows the dceu well enough to say oh Batman so should have known. Well, they're not going over Batman, but they're saying it made for an uneven film. It didn't like it wasn't a whole picture. So that was number one. Here's number two, right? And we already referenced uh, the Lord of the Rings earlier in the podcast. Uh, the or the uh, Rings of Power. Um, the Stranger in Rings of Power do, doesn't really have all the language skills uh, right when he uh, first uh, showed up. If you look at Black Adam, though, the guy comes into being and he knows English. Well, that's because he's magical, I dude. He can do whatever get, he wants. Enough to get my neighbor to know uh, to know English when he's like three beers in. Hey, dude, Bob. He, Bob, he's shooting lightning from his hands. He can't <laughs> the fact that he might know another Fair language. Point. Fair point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, and here I was going to say the TARDIS is looking around somewhere, so it's doing all the translation anyways. <laughs> <Okay>. So. <laughs> All right, so, so we're we're being negative Nancy's. Because I am Amanda, not. Because Amanda started us out on that. I'm Wheeler. I I'm gonna You I'm guys gonna, started out with the critic scores. No, that was I'm, not my fault. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say what I liked about this film quite a bit was um I mean The Rock's portrayal as Black Adam was pretty much everything I've always wanted to see. Out of Black Adam, Black Adam, going around that. I mean, that whole entire opening scene where he shows up and he's just like this unbelievably ominous figure with unlimited power, and he uses it in the way he wants to use it. He doesn't. He doesn't Are you follow in the chamber. Yeah, sorry, he's said, not held by some kind of arbitrary rules yeah. of morality. He's just like, I kill people. Yeah. Are you talking about in the chamber when he was summoned? Correct. Yeah, yeah. That that was my. I asked my son what his favorite scene was. He said that was it. Oh yeah. Yeah. But that my daughter. Was... I asked my daughter the same question, and hers. Her favorite scene was when uh, he literally split that dude in half. Oh my word, dude! 
when, that, awesome. when that happened, my eyes got so big, and I was like, oh, yeah. So, so check this out. Apparently, Black Adam was even more gruesome, and it was originally slapped with an R rating. And it's probably because it was probably because they had a few more of those things, <laughs> him like ripping off people's limbs or like decapitating people. Woo! When that happened in the theater, I could just I turned to look at my youngest son next to me, and he was just making this face like like <sighs> this god awful like what am I looking at? I can't look away. Face. So, so funny. I, I I'm gonna say this. So far, DC has not disappointed me. In anything Shazam related. Oh, uh, like, I will give you that. If it's related to something else, like I don't know what they're doing, but anything with like Shazam. So Black Adam was amazing. Anything Shazam has been amazing. So, uh, so, so there's some interesting backstory to how this thing got made. Um, so they actually initially announced Black Adam with The Rock. 15 years ago but because dceu has been in such a uh turmoil when it comes to organization and 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 that's obvious in how the the movies have been playing out that this thing's been back and forth all over the place and the rock has been uh advocating heavily behind the scenes to have superman show up so that way they can set up a superman versus uh, black adam uh you know showdown and um it was only recently, like 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 within the last like six months or whatever, that uh, when when uh, the new owners of Warner Brothers, you know, with that merger with Warner Brothers and Discovery, that uh, they convinced the new owner, the Rock himself, convinced the new owners that they need to put Superman in there at the end scene because up until then, the uh, Hamada who was running you know, uh, uh, the DC branch of Warner brothers, he was 100% against it. And the rock was fighting him forever. And you mean so, like running it into the ground. Uh, no, no, just, just to get Superman I, in there or, or to get what you to, meant to get black Adam, to get black Adam, to be connected to the DCEU. So I'm going to agree with running it into the ground. So he had to fight it. And uh, are you talking about Hamada running it into the ground? DC into the ground, yes. Yes, yes. Anyway, <laughs> but check this out. Because The Rock got his way, Hamada has actually completely left Warner Brothers now. And so, so check this out. I've got a thought. I've got a thought, okay? So a few podcasts ago, we were talking about everything that the DC has been trying to do to get the DCEU back on track. They want a Kevin Feige-like figure. I think maybe I think and I think that's the way to go and they're having troubles. I think The Rock might be a good person to help bring out story details because he's he's the only one fighting for the DCEU. And check this out. I've got something here, okay? So <laughs> so in a uh, in an interview uh with the Hollywood Reporter, uh The Rock uh sat down and, and, and had a conversation about what he wants to try to bring into the DC universe. And here's what he said. The fans will always guide you where you need to go. That's the new era I talk about in the DC universe. And in the DC universe, they haven't always listened to the fans in the past, but things are different. In Black Adam, things are different. So that's why we can introduce the Justice Society of America. That's why in Black Adam, 
Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Flash, they all coexist in our world. Black Adam's not over here and Joker's over there. And you know Justice League is over here. In our world, they all exist. Ideally, in my mind, it's a little crazy. They, It's a little crazy, but they all cross paths because the fans want that. And there's a good creative way that we could figure that out. They will all cross paths. So Black Adam colliding with all these characters in the DC universe, we come to the table with that open mind. And if you said to me, Suicide Squad, and I say, yes, Justice League, I say, yes, you name them, open up the book, everything. So so right now, like The Rock just happens to be like the most vocal person to, to be like a Kevin Feige-like figure, even though he might not be good for the job, but he's the one that actually has it in his heart to be out there and put his credibility and reputation on the line i, I think there was some foreshadowing in that movie in black adam of of those conflicts to come when he was in the boy's room um oh yeah it, yeah you know i mean it was like you know part you know some part, he destroyed a thing of the flash and then superman and then yes. Batman. you know he was they made a point of focusing on each of these justice league characters and how black adam was destroying their icons in this boy's room. And uh, I think that's just, that just further, uh, further foreshadows what, what we might be seeing to come. They, they really did miss an opportunity in this movie though. And it was like a gigantic opportunity of sending Peacemaker first. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to the rocks last quote, Peacemaker open book. Yeah. Bring them on board. I will say this. I haven't said much about the movie. Um, I think it was, I think it was really good. I think, you know, we talked about that opening sequence where he was in the, when he was first summoned and then that whole battle sequence on the way out and how that, you know, that where he was clearing out that paramilitary group. And I think that established a stylistic tone for the movie. Um, the way, the way that was shot and the way it was edited and and special effects and all that. The only, you know, I really only have two negatives and these negatives are kind of, uh, they're not really negatives. The first one is it's a superhero movie. If you saw the trailer, you know, the story, it's very predictable. So that's one. Um, the second negative is the directorial decisions that were made with some of those action shots were, I think sometimes overused. I found myself in a couple of the battle sequences going, okay, where's the fast forward part? Where's the slow part? Where's the fast forward part? You know, I, it mm-hmm. was just kind of overused. That's it. The rest of it I thought was phenomenal. I mean, it's not going to win an Academy award, but I mean, uh, like Bob said, do, do we really want that kind of superhero movie? It was action packed, was well played by all the characters. I mean, some of the scenes were pretty innovative the way that they, they really had him go about defeating that paramilitary group and the way they did the bikes and, you know, just all when he, when he grabbed that bullet right before it hit the boy, all that stuff. I mean, it was really good. Um, and I will say that slowing down part, those parts, it did a really good job of much, much the same way they do the flash of showing how he's perceiving everything and everything's happening fast around him. But for him, he's just, you know, making these little decisions, you know, in that, in that brief period of time, I thought it was good. I, I, I'm much more with the audience score. I mean, you have to, you have to pair it against what your expectations are. If, if I'm expecting apocalypse now, 
then yeah, it's a 39%, right? If I'm expecting a good action movie, then I absolutely agree with the audience score at 90%. I thought it was great. I was really glad to see The Rock there. And that's just the thing is that people, uh, these critics go into these movies expecting to to benchmark every movie against uh, some of these pinnacles of creation, against the Godfathers, against the Apocalypse Now, like you said, against your Shawshank Redemptions, which, by the way, was a flop when it first released. Um, What they don't understand is that you need to go into the movie understanding what the audience is already expecting. If the audience is expecting um, Batman and Robin and then get Joker, then yes, it's going to be a 92%. But if you reverse it, then yeah, we're talking a 27%. Yeah, it's a sliding scale as far as expectations go. I I just want to point out, like, the worst part of the movie for me is when they attacked Black Adam and put him into a archaeological dig site and just completely trash the historical value of the archaeological dig site. And it hurts me. I love history. I love like archaeological discoveries. And so that was one thing that hurt me the most is because heroes don't destroy antiquity. Well, there you go. One one last thought from me and then I'll, then I'll, then I'll pull back. I will say, I think we all knew the boy's dad was black Adam, right? And yeah, it was a rock, right? But the digital atrophy to no, his no, no, body. No. I, I didn't oh. know that at all. I thought it took me by surprise. I thought yeah. I thought Black Adam oh, was yeah. the kid. Yeah. Well, I mean, the trailer was like they killed my son. Yeah. Right. Oh, so, yeah. I, I didn't think about yeah. that. Yeah. So, but the digital atrophy. Yeah. Um, to his body, a lot of people are going to compare that to the first Avenger with mm-hmm. Steve Rogers. Yeah. No. It reminded me of that uh, Jason Momoa commercial where he would come in. It was just weird to see. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Dude, he was a buff, skinny dude with the atrophy, though, still. He was like, he had a big old melon with his cut jib and everything. Okay. Yeah. I, so, so it's funny that you were bringing – that's the part that, that made you the most sad. The part that made me the most sad is why in the world do you bring on Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate and then kill him in his, his debut movie? Because we're going to have a new Dr. Fate. No! Yeah. No! Yeah, Pierce Brosnan, he's like 97. So they need no, to – he's not. Need, I'm just kidding. Dude. He's in his 70s. <laughs> and I, I'll tell you this. I really hope – there was a lot of James Bond jokes and uh, and stories on the set, and he's only sixty nine years old. Yeah. So, uh, but I, uh, I I actually enjoyed Doctor Fate quite a bit. It it was a little weird that that they would uh, they 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 actually neutered Doctor Fate quite a bit because uh, this is not me. This is according to. Um, uh, oh, that one YouTube that pits people together and they look at like they calculate the scores. I'm having a brain fart. Anyways, they they pit Doctor. F- history. No, 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 no. Uh, okay, now, now you. But anyways, they they. I'm looking it up right now. But I'm going to keep talking though. Um, uh, what's the dude from uh, the boys? Come on, the come on. voice. 
the, the, boys. the boys from Amazon. Oh, I Carl know. Urban. No, no, hey, hold on. Uh, okay, okay, check this out. Um, Death Battle, Death Battle on on YouTube. Okay, Death Battle, oh, yeah. Death Battle did a uh, Doctor Fate versus Doctor Strange, and according to them, Doctor Fate is significantly more powerful than Doctor Strange, and so. So I was kind of like, it was pretty obvious they neutered him quite a bit just to, you know, have him die. And it's like, ah, man, I was I was really hoping that we'd have a few more, you know, movies with Pierce Brosnan's Dr. Fate. Not only cool. did they make him neutered, they made him almost, like, in battle, he was awesome, but he couldn't see things very clearly at all. He was not very good at telling things. Uh, but... I uh, I look forward to the next DCEU movies with with Black Adam. Uh, I thought they reintroduced Superman very well because he kind of came in with like this ominous presence just kind of floating down. I was like, oh, this looks, you know, pretty intimidatingly cool. And so I was looking forward to it. And uh, overall, I like the movie. Yeah, don't go in expecting like you know a masterpiece. Go in and expecting that you're gonna have a fun time, and guess what? You do, and it's a it's a good movie for that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, any other uh, last comments? Wrapping up. Okay. Nope. Seriously, what is this uh, Eternium Ethereum stuff? I have <laughs> never heard of that, and that came out of nowhere. E- so, like metal yeah. stuff that they used to make yeah. the floating bikes. That it's it's vibranium. Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to say, how else do you paint with vibranium? This is Wakanda and vibranium. Yeah. Oh, but, what is I mean, the country it just came again? out of nowhere. What's, what's, that? The, what's the country so, that from again? Eternium uh, is the name given to the shards of matter that have been cast off from the rock of Eternia uh, after its destruction. So this, is, this has to be like... Um, it was the rock of Eternia that gave... Like the powers, wasn't it? I'm just reading this up. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure on the backstory with that. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. It was good. It was good. All right, any other last comments? Nope. All right. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Make sure to hit the podcast subscribe button and leave us a review. Wherever you're listening to us, subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Casts, or wherever else you find us. Next week, we are talking Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, the upcoming Disney Plus return of Dave Filoni. That's right, folks. So if you get a chance to watch Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, leave us your thoughts in a voicemail at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast or email us some thoughts to supernerdpodcast at gmail.com you can also find us on facebook instagram and twitter search supernerdpodcast give us a like give us a share but from all of us the supernerd podcast stay dirty my friends have fun catch you later bye <laughs>